Welcome to the teacher and the preacher. This program is all about the importance of coming to understand that the Christian community and the Jewish community have more in common than we have been led to believe. Rather than seeing each other as against each other, we need to come to a point of seeing that the statement that our country is a Judeo-Christian nation is much more than just a mere statement, but truly reflects the reality of our nation as it was and should remain. Every week there will be an interesting dialogue about the issues that have divided Jews and Christians and how we can move in bridging the gaps and see that by talking about the issues, we can better move in the direction of having more unity. Unity that will heal and help bring together a nation that is under attack by the forces of atheism, secularism, and a breakdown of family values. Join us now for a discussion between the teacher and the preacher. Well, welcome to The Teacher and the Preacher, and thanks for joining us again this weekend. I'm the preacher, Dave McGuerra. And I'm the teacher, Harold Berman. And we have a fantastic guest, as always this week, organizational psychologist and management consultant turned movie producer, uh, most notably the film Home Game, uh, which, which is about the expulsion from Gush Katif, uh, what people now know as Gaza. Avi Abelo is now the CEO of 12 Tribe Films, a business specializing in video and social media marketing for Israel. He is also the co-founder of Israel Unwired, which is an amazing resource providing video and other content about Israel and the Jewish people. Avi also comments widely on the general social and political dynamics of our times, and that's exactly why he's with us today. So Avi, welcome to The Teacher and the Preacher. Thank you so much, Dave and Harold. It is a pleasure being here. And if I if I may, just wanted to add an additional hat I have is uh, running a nonprofit organization. And that website with videos also about dealing with all these issues is the www.pulseofisrael.com. So another way to connect with me. Oh, that's great. Perfect. Yeah, that's great to know. So there's no shortage of social and political dynamics to contend with these last few months. And one that, at least to my mind, I think to the minds of many, has become quite frightening is this growing phenomenon of censorship of views we don't like. Uh, there are obviously expressions of speech that truly are beyond the pale that you know can be classified as hate speech that really do incite people to violence and should not be tolerated in a civilized society. But we seem to have blurred the line between that and speech that is just something that we don't particularly want to hear, uh, which then gets labeled as as hate speech. So, Avi, I'm just wondering what your take on... Let's start, actually, a, a perfect example of this is uh, the recent closing of President Trump's Twitter account. You know, wondering what your, your take on this is. Yeah, well, it's very interesting because I personally have been experiencing the censorship of big tech for five years. I have been raising my voice against it for, for five years already. Why? Because I'm a very prominent voice standing up for Israel and calling out what I believe to be a true cancer within the Muslim world, the Islamist world. Um, and uh, one of my earliest posts to be censored by Facebook, again, this is 2015, was a post, I just put up a graphic on one of my pages that said, Israel, not Palestine. Because of that graphic meme, um, I was uh, my page of a half a million followers was shut down by Facebook. This is 2015. 
And it's interesting because at the time I actually, I made a big deal about it using my voice and social media and um, a politician approached me and he said, I want to do a test. And he then, then put up a meme countering it. Basically it Palestine, not Israel to see what Facebook does. And lo and behold, Facebook didn't do anything to that post. So he then went to the press saying, wait a second, there's a double standard here. Why is uh, why does saying Israel, not Palestine, get you deplatformed? Because again, they took down our page of 500,000 uh, followers, but yet saying Palestine and Israel is fine. Again, in the end, Facebook ended up putting, putting the page up. I mean, the, the PR was bad for them, but that was the beginning of my personal experience with censorship. And it's interesting because when I set up my company in 2011, I knew this day would come. Like the strategy that I set out with my partner was we are going to what I called ride the wave of social media because we were in on it at the beginning. And we're going to grow this as much as possible and grow from it as much as possible. But the day will come and they will shut us down for ideological reasons. I just, I just knew the day would come. It was like clear, again, from my understanding of culture and the world uh, today, that that was going to come when you, when you put out opinions out. I mean, mainstream establishment media have always driven the narrative for society. And we've always been left to only being able to write letters to the editor when we disagreed with something. But never before did humanity have the potential to allow people to have their own voices to counter the narratives we are fed by establishment media, what I call agenda-driven media. So it was clear, even when I set things up in 2011 strategically, that the day will come that they will shut down our voices that go against uh, the agenda of establishment, agenda-driven voices behind many of those media companies. And uh, so, again, I, I, I've been I've been experiencing this for years, been talking about it for years, after President Trump was elected, actually, Right, we're talking about after 2016. I was already talking about how tr- I was following the the updates from Google and Facebook, who were all uh, blaming themselves for Trump winning. I mean, if you go back into the archives, it's crazy to call four years ago archives, but if you go back to the archives, uh, whether articles or or videos, you will see the executives of Facebook and Trump and, and, and Google blaming themselves for allowing the promotion of fake news on their platforms that allowed for the masses to then want to vote for Trump. And they said, we have to make changes so that we do not allow President Trump to be uh, elected again. They were talking about this already in 2016 and then began the whole crusade against what they called, quote unquote, fake news. And again, back at the time that this was happening, I'm guys, I'm, I was already telling people, this isn't fake news, guys. This is cutting down the ideological, open, free speech that has been allowed until now because they were making great money off of it. But now that they're so powerful and they don't need as much money as they did before, they're now little by little going to be closing, clamping down on on free speech against the voices and the ideolo- ideologies that they are against. Because people like to think that, oh, everyone's pure. No, people are people. <laughs> Every, people might try to be pure, 
but we all have our vices. We all have our agendas. We all have our ideologies. And it really takes a strong person to be in a position to not take advantage of one's power uh, to stop what they believe to be what they don't want to be seen or heard. So what we're seeing today with Trump's account being, uh, being shut down by Twitter, and it's not just Trump. There were plenty of other accounts that have been shut down at the same time as President Trump. And now all of a sudden we're in a situation where big tech or a big corporation has more power over countries and over potential diplomacy than an elected president of the most powerful country in the world. Because if you think about it, President Trump actually led foreign policy with his Twitter account. He used to put the leader of North Korea in the corner with his tweets. Now, he's the first leader to really use social media as a foreign policy tool in his quiver, but he did. And the second the second Twitter decides, oh, we're going to take that tool away from you because we disagree with how you're using it based on their own criteria, all of a sudden America is in a weaker spot because Trump does not have the social media to use as a stick in order to pursue and push a certain foreign policy for America to hold on to American interests like he was able to uh, when he did have his active uh, Twitter account. Well, Avi, here's the thing, though. You said, you said according to their criteria, and at least as far as I can see, those the only criteria, quote unquote, that there are, are, you know, political agendas or particular leanings for certain views. Because, for example, when Twitter closed President Trump's account, they said he is, quote, this is their words, quote, glorifying violence. But Twitter has refused to define any standards for what glorifying violence means. Now, Iran's Ayatollah Khomeini in the last several months on Twitter has called for Israel's annihilation. So we're talking about the leader of a country calling for the mass genocide of another country. It's called Israel a virus and a cancer on Twitter. He's on Twitter uh, called for Palestinians to arm themselves and, quote, liberate Israel. Um, Khomeini's Twitter account has not been disabled. He continues to tweet his calls for violence. And in fact, uh, none of his tweets have even been taken down. And in fact, when Israel formally complained to Twitter after Khomeini you know, called for Israel's annihilation, Twitter rejected Israel's request. And they said that Khomeini's call for mass genocide was, and these are their words, mere political discourse, like this was normal. Uh, when Twitter's CEO, Jack Dorsey, he was uh, testifying in front of the Senate just a few months ago, and they asked him about Holocaust denial, which is rampant on Twitter and also is not taken down. And uh, Senator Cory Gardner asked Dorsey to explain uh, why, you know, they were what, what, you know, they're they're flagging, they're deleting Trump's posts. They're not doing anything about committee's posts. And then Gardner asked uh, Dorsey, uh, he asked if somebody's denying that the Holocaust happens, isn't that misinformation? Dorsey responded, and I quote, it's misleading information, but we don't have a policy against that type of misleading information. So it seems what we're left with is, I don't like what you're saying, so I'm shutting it down. How much of this do you think, though, is really driven by hatred? I mean, one of the things about the current environment seems like it is just uh, rife with uh, with hatred, so much so that, you know, free speech has really turned into just a fight that goes way beyond civil rights. 
Um, they're firing people who they have pictures of that attended the, the rally, not just people who breached the Capitol, which uh, I, I totally disagree with um, what they did. But these people who are being fired because they attended a rally, this 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 effort has become not just unpleasant, but, but outright ugly. And it, I just think it just is killing the ability to have the free exchange of ideas. It's controlling uh, who writes an op-ed. And, and I just was reading that the guy who does my pillow, Mike Lindell, they're going to stop, a variety of places are going to stop carrying his, his pillows and his goods, you know. And People are afraid of what their colleagues are going to um, to do if they share, you know, personal opinion. I mean, it's it's just so gone. It's it's just blown up, you know. And and how much of this is really driven by hatred? What do you think about that? Wow. Okay, there's so many different points to unpack here that both of you uh, <laughs> both of you threw at me. So let me try to to you got to a few minutes all of them. And if I forget one, just remind me if I didn't respond to something. I just wanted to start, but before I forget, because I'm not I'm not as young as I used to be, so I do forget things much easier. Um, but Harold started by calling out the hypocrisy of President Trump being removed from Twitter, whereas the leader of Iran. Uh, who tweets about destroying Israel is still alive and well with his with his tweets and Twitter won't take it down. Yet you don't have any clearer example of the hypocrisy and a political agenda, which shows you they do not have criteria. They basically uh, use their power to shut down the voices who they want to shut down and call it politics, call it ideology, call it whatever you want. It has nothing to do with protecting uh, the world or protecting free speech. That that example just just screams to high heavens and says the whole story. And you you, you could end the you can end the discussion right there using that as the example. Um, in terms of uh, in terms of what we're seeing, we're we're seeing a mass delegitimization campaign against a whole public in America. Whether it's half of America, more than half of America, a little less than half of America, that is what we're seeing right now. I mean, if you really, if anyone really pays attention to the messages that are being given across by the establishment day in and day out now, since January 6th, it is, um, it it started from Joe Biden himself, who basically called two sitting senators Goebbels, Hitler's propaganda minister and how, how what what bigger name do you want to use to delegitimize an idea because basically Ted Cruz and and Senator Hawley were standing up for an idea for a constitutional right to object to a, a alleged voter fraud you could you could say it didn't happen you could think it's wrong but they have every constitutional right to do that. And yet they're being called by the person who's supposed to become president, Goebbels, a Nazi, a head Nazi. And if you follow that, now you have uh, Representative Swalwell, who, who's basically calling President Trump Osama bin Laden in terms of how he instigated his troops to attack the, the president. And then you see the g- growth of talk of anyone who, again, is against the narrative given over by the establishment media, that they are all potential domestic terrorists. This is actual language being thrown about in the in the mainstream 
news programs today by establishment media. And like like you were saying before, it's not just a person who went into the Capitol. It's anyone who questions the election results. It's anyone who who still supports the president. They need to be deep deprogrammed, right? Who just said that? Uh, a prominent uh, um, uh, journalist on on the on the air, one of the programs, just just said that. Yeah, anyone who still. Yeah. Katie, Couric, Katie Couric, anyone who still deep deprogrammed that's communist language what, what is going on in America and this is what people are being fed and it's 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 no longer a fight or a struggle over free speech this is really a struggle over the uh the bedrock of what America was founded upon and I want to go back to some very to a very very classic and important test case for America. I don't remember the year. I think it was in the 70s or uh, in Chicago, the famous case against the Nazis who, who who marched in Chicago. It was the human rights organization. It was the human rights organizations and Jewish organizations that stood up and defended the rights of the Nazis to march in the streets of Chicago. Right? Because they, because according to the constitution and free speech for America, they have a right to 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 do that, and and the line was and the line is still used today. Um, I, I will fi- I will fight for your right to disagree with me. Or there's a better line than that. Okay, I think that's a critical point, Avi, because uh, yeah, that was in uh, right outside of Chicago that in the 70s, uh, and the Supreme Court upheld the Nazis' right to march to an area that included a lot of uh, Holocaust survivors, and the message there, yeah, was this speech is deeply offensive, deeply distasteful, but that doesn't disqualify someone from doing it. Now, obviously, there are certain kinds of speeches, you know, the classic, uh, you can't yell fire in a crowded movie house. There, There is speech that incites, there is speech that hurts and that causes violence, and, and there are legitimate uh, laws against hate speech. But that's not what we're talking about here. And, and, and as I said, that, that's the problem, that this line oh. has been very much blurred. I wouldn't say blurred. I would. I would. I would say crossed. And and you're one hundred percent correct. There are laws. There there are laws on the books, and 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 that is a fine line that is always being tested and being brought to the courts as well. And that's fine. But today, what you're seeing in America, it's not about free speech anymore. It's about delegitimizing anyone who holds a different opinion. Yeah, that's right. And again, I will just give my own my, my own anecdote. Um, again, without going into the politics or current events, I'm very I'm very vocal about the questions about the voter fraud in the election, questioning whether Biden really did win the election, um, and I am being called a Jew Nazi for just voicing th- that opinion. Now, I'm and I wow. tell people, listen, folks, I'm okay if you disagree with me. I'm okay if you think that America under Trump is horrible, right? That's totally, I think America under Biden will be horrible. That's okay. But to take out your disagreement with such venom to delegitimize and shame a person who sometimes not only might happen to be a friend, but even a family, because that is what is happening now. Families and friends are being torn apart because of this mass delegitimization and public shaming just for holding a different opinion. 
It's I, I saw a really powerful video a number of months ago of someone who uh, grew up a traditional liberal in Los Angeles, and then uh, and then she started talking how um, she she couldn't even watch Ben Shapiro videos because she would be embarrassed. Not even if no one would know, but to herself, she thought to herself, oh my God, I'm going to be a white supremacist just by me watching a Ben Shapiro video. She goes, that's the power of, of, of the group think and the social pressure that exists in the world, in, in, in Western society in America, especially today. And basically, it's an hour-long video, which is fascinating to listen to, because she describes how then she had her own personal metamorphosis. But she explains that group think that it's not only that her free speech was taken away from her, she she, she was pressured not even to think certain things, because she's embarrassed to just think that way without even anyone else knowing what's in her mind. That She goes, that's, that's how deep it goes. And that process is now expanding even further uh, at a rapid rate because of the politics and the situation today in the United States of America. And it's very scary and it's very wrong. And again, it's way beyond an issue of free speech. This is about the bedrock of of, of freedom in America. And yes, there are laws uh, to uphold in terms of incitement. And when you go over, uh, go against the law, and those should obviously be upheld. But today, it, it's way beyond that. It's not, it's not about the laws anymore. It's about individuals just canceling you out or not hiring you for a job because they disagree with you. Yeah. And, and, you, and maybe they're right. Maybe you're wrong. But is that a reason not to be hired? I mean, again, right now in the Washington, D.C., you have politicians talking about how National Guards uh, should be vetted to ensure they didn't vote for Trump. Otherwise, they are a threat to potentially assassinate Joe Biden. Can you imagine? Have you ever heard such talk regarding U.S. soldiers? Can you imagine if all of a sudden police and the army will start hiring or firing according to who you voted in the elections? That is the talk taking place today by potentially America's leaders tomorrow and the mainstream uh, establishment media. Yeah, it's very scary. It's all put into the category of shame, right? It's it's a shaming. It's a pressuring to adopt a much narrower definition of what would be a reasonable opinion. And and as you've aptly said, Avi, it's um, it's flat out judgment against a person. I mean, you you can't have an opinion without being just totally categorized. So uh, we're, we're going to be coming in for a landing here shortly, but before we do that, what, what do you forecast, you know, this, this, uh, this next year or two years looking like if, if we take and let this play out what we're living in right now? Great question. First of all, let me preface and say that this issue is dear to me for two reasons, and I'm, gl- and I'm happy to be talking to you about it. One, because I care deeply for the future of a free America, believing that a free and secure America is in the benefit of a, the whole freedom-loving world. And two, living in Israel, Israel is very much influenced by America, especially the societal 
uh, pressures and conflicts. And the same thing that's taking place in America is also taking place here on a on a lower flame. But if it grows there, it will grow here as well. Hence my my vocal and passionate voice of speaking out on this issue. Moving forward, believe it or not, it all depends on what happens tomorrow. Again, I don't know when this is going to be broadcast, but uh, tomorrow we're going to find out if Joe Biden is uh, is officially inaugurated as president of the United States. If he does as what is supposed to happen, then this will get much, much worse. And we all have to pray for the future of America and the freedom-loving world, because then you're going to have the people leading the charge, taking away our freedoms, not only in charge of the White House, but Congress and Senate together with the whole establishment media pushing the same exact uh, cancel culture and growing it at a rapid rate. And if it happens there in America, like I said, it's also going to be happening in Israel and other Western countries. And we have to pray and pray hard. If, if by some miracle, and as a believing person, I really do believe potentially uh, Joe Biden might not become president tomorrow. Uh, and if that does happen and, and that is stopped and instead whether a President Trump or someone of his ilk uh, takes over as President of the United States of America, then there will be a battle to stop that. Uh, so that that is the one saving grace, in a sense, to save America from continuing down this slippery, slippery slope of cancel culture. Will it happen? Well, I guess everyone will know by the time they listen to this if it's after January 20th. <laughs> I think you're right. Well, I'll tell you, this is definitely a hot topic, and it's worthy, I think, of a program on the teacher and the preacher. And, you know, one of the problems that Harold and I have, being a Jew and a Gentile mix, is that sometimes, you know, believe it or not, he's very opinionated. And uh, isn't that right? Only on Wednesday. Yeah, only on Wednesdays, anyway. Fortunately for us on this program, we still have the ability to share opinions, and uh, and I think it's one of the things that we enjoy very much is sharing the differing uh, perspectives and uh, views and and backgrounds of our faith, not to mention uh, the rest of uh, the makeup of our lives. But I do think that that's uh, this is a very interesting piece that a lot of people are living with, and I think for many of them, they, they don't quite know what to do with it or about it. So I think your input today, Avi, of saying, you know what, we we need to pray and we need to pray hard. We need to make sure that we're not driven by hatred, uh, but there is a, a level of um, grace, but there's also a need to um, speak up. And I think that that's one of the things that people are trying to do if they don't get shut down. So it's been a joy to have you on the program with us this weekend, Avi. Really appreciate that. Would would you give people uh, your website again or your email address if they want to holler at you? Sure. And but before I do, I just want to reiterate exactly your point. The most important message, people ask me why I'm so out, why I'm so outspoken, uh, even though like I'm getting attacked like like no one else. And I say it's for one reason. I want to live a living example for my children on how to live according to our beliefs, live according to our values, and not to let anyone shut us up or stop us. Uh, And that would be my message to everyone as well. No matter how strong the cancel culture gets, stand, don't, don't let them get to you. Don't let them stop you. Don't let them shut you up. Stand up and be an example to your family, especially to your children. Live according to what you believe. Don't be shut up. Talk to your children. Teach them the right values. 
um, uh, because uh, that that is what, and of course, pray and hold on to your faith. And that's the way we're all going to get out of this. After every uh, after every pothole, you, 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 you come up. So no matter how long this lasts, we're going to get out of it. So hold on to your faith and hold on to your voice. Um, to follow me, thank you for that opportunity. Again, um, you can go to the pulseofisrael.com. That's pulseofisrael.com. Best way to keep in touch with me is to sign up for the newsletter and be able to receive my, my videos and then email me uh, or uh, my secondary website. Also, different type of videos, israelunwired.com. We also have a newsletter there. So that's israelunwired.com or pulseofisrael.com. Sign up for the newsletters, uh, respond to me, write whatever you want, and uh, look forward to being in touch. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much. Until next week, may God watch over Israel and bless America. Amen.